0: I am going to lead one person to Christ. Being a soul winner is meaning simply that we lovingly share, demonstrate and live out God's love in such a way that people make a decision to, to live for God. It means that we talk about and live our faith as a witness to our world, of God's love, in the hope we win them to Christ. Acts chapter one verse eight says, "When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be given my power, and you are to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth." I've taken that seriously. I've taken that as a personal challenge from the Holy Spirit to me. I'm going to be a witness. Any other witnesses here this morning? We're going to witness for Jesus. We're going to witness and say, you know what? I'm in this. Uh, God has touched my life in, in some way. Someone was a witness to me about Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I thank you that you're here by your spirit. And I pray that as I speak this morning that there would be uh, stirring a stirring in our hearts. There'd be a a rekindling of passion to see people saved. There'd be this desire within us, Lord God, to see the kingdom of heaven increased and grow because we're committed to to sharing the love of God. And I pray that in the name of Jesus this morning. Amen. There's just a little bit of ringing, Pete. Um, I'm just getting back. (coughs) Go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Those words actually mark the beginning of the early church. It's where something suddenly took place in the early church and it grew exponentially. They represent the heart, the calling, the purpose, the potential of the church. They also mark the greatest shortcoming of the church today. Of all the things that we are and the things that we do, being a witness for Jesus is not often at the top of our list. Today's church is great at so many things. I mean, if I was to think about the programs, if I think about the way that we have fellowship, the way that we talk to each other, the way that we're encouraging, the way that we support one another, the way that we love each other, the way that we pray for each other. I mean, it's it's a fantastic, fantastic thing that, that we do as a church of God. But I think that far too often, we fall short of being witnesses for Jesus. The truth is, God's made us to be fishers of men, but we're not really interested in fishing. We're interested in watching people fish. We're encouraged when we see people fish. We get excited when there's a fish caught. But most Christians today haven't even dropped a line in the water. Are you okay this morning? I love yous. I care about you. But you've gone really, really quiet. (laughs) I love yous. Please take this as an encouragement. Please take this as just the Holy Spirit saying to us today, you know what? There's a world out there that needs to know Jesus. If if he's changed our lives in any way, shape or form, imagine what he could do in the life of someone else in our community, in our street, in our schools, in our workplaces. Imagine the difference we could make in this community by sharing the love of Jesus. See, according to the Barna Research Group, only 35% of adult Christians in America believe that they have a responsibility to share their faith with others. And I said this last week. The Barna Research also revealed that 9 out of 10 American Christians will never lead another person to Christ before they die. Only 1 in 10 Christians in America will ever lead someone to Christ before they die. I don't think that's much different from Australia. And i believe that god wants to see people saved god wants uh, why did he send his son jesus to die otherwise if it wasn't to see people's lives change christians are normally either motivated by two things either guilt or passion guilt says i have to be a witness but passion says i get to be a witness I get to be a witness. Passion says I get to be a witness. Guilt says you've got to, you've got to to witness. And my encouragement to us today is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do a thing. We get to do something. We get to share faith. We get to share God's stories. We get to share testimonies. We get to share about what Jesus has done in our lives. We get to share what Jesus has done in someone else's life that we heard about on a Sunday morning. We can't not talk about anything. You know, we just, We've got this thing inside of us, and, and I feel like I, I just want to unleash this morning. Can I unleash myself this morning? I I, I, I feel like a bulldog at the end of a a leash just ready to let loose and gnaw on some bones this morning. Who wants to see their pastor gnaw on some bones this morning? I feel like being a gnawing sort of pastor this morning. And I think I'm going to fall off the stage if I don't care, a bit careful pushing the hooge Watch that thingy bob forward. Being a, a witness is not succumbing to a guilt trip but pursuing a passion. More accurately, it's about pursuing a person. Uh, it's about pursuing a person. You know, when you're, you're hot on for Jesus... You know, you can't shut up about Jesus. You you can't be kept quiet. You know, God's doing something in your heart. God's doing something in your, your spirit. He's, he's changing the way that you think. He's changing the way that you live. He's changing the way that you perceive things. He's changing the way that you reach out. He's changing the way that you, 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 you're touching other people's lives. You know, one of the greatest ways that you'll ever find out how hot you are for God is when someone comes along and they they say something that would normally, if you were a long distance from God, you're not walking close with. God, God, it'd tick you off. you'd go around all week with a sour look on your face, like you've been sucking on lemons all day. You know, but when you're close to God, when you're following passionately the person of Jesus, someone says something to you and say, "You know what I forgive him anyway? Let's, just, let's go and live life. Okay. Okay. There's, there's less opportunity for offense to come in when we're walking with Jesus, but when we're far from God, little things come in and people say stuff and boy we're ticked. You know, But when we're going on rocking on for God, man, it doesn't matter. Who cares? They cut you off. Bless them in Jesus' name. They probably needed that space in the traffic flow more than I did. Hallelujah, bless God. But when we're far from God and they cut us off, there's a different response. We lean on the horn and we say, oh, bless you in Jesus' name. The more we pursue God, the more a passion has to tell people about Jesus, and it's stirred up within us. When, when you're, you're really hot on for God, there's something that happens. You know, you, you, you know one of my favourite sayings maybe is like you get a quiver in your liver. You know, if you just get this thing on the inside. You know, you, you're just you're itching to tell someone about God. You know, and that's what happens when you per- pursue the person of Jesus. When you're really hot on for God, that's what happens. And my, my intent this morning is to stir the passion that we have for, for sharing our faith because of the person of Jesus. Jesus has done something in our lives. He has set us on fire for him. He's, he's created a, a new way of thinking. He's, he's healed our bodies. He's touched our minds. He's, he's, he's liberated our spirits to, to be able to live for him in a way that we never thought that we could live. We never thought life could be this good. Well, maybe. Am I, like, is life good or what? I mean, is, we're not sitting in the middle of a war zone, are we? We're... Life's good. We live in the lucky country. I think it's the blessed country. The presence of God sparks a fire in us and like a bushfire, it spreads and it grows. It does. As an example, okay, Jesus in his day, he healed some people, he delivered some people and then told them to go out and just do what the law requires. Go and see the priest, but don't tell anyone. You couldn't stop them. They, they'd launched out of the place where they'd met Jesus. And they, anyone they met in the street, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me. Jesus healed me. Who's Jesus? This guy laid his hand on me. He just spoke to me. My hand, it was like withered and, and, and it just it got healed. And, and I, All of a sudden, you couldn't shut them up. When was the last time we had a real major encounter? with Jesus, that caused us to launch out of the doors, not because we didn't like the coffee or the chips, but because we couldn't wait to tell someone about Jesus. This morning I pray His presence starts a fire in us. See, witness, being a witness is not a have to, but a get to. It's like so much of our faith. We, we don't have to go to church. We don't have to pray. We don't have to give. We don't have to worship or serve or witness. We get to do those things. Massive difference. It changes the way that you, you, you look at your Sunday morning or your week. You know you, you don't have to go to your connect group. You get to go to your connect group and share life with people that are fantastic. And support you. When we have have to do these things, it's usually because of this great distance that we have from God. However, when we have the attitude of a a get-to, it's because of the intimacy of our proximity to Jesus. The closer we are to the Father, to Jesus, and to the Holy Spirit, the more we'll see of Him and can more accurately tell others and show others what He's really like. We become His witnesses. Being a witness is simply allowing God's fire to grow in us every single day. It's cultivating a passion. Joel Osteen, pastor of one of the biggest churches in America, says this, One of the main reasons we lose our enthusiasm in life is because we get so accustomed to his goodness and it becomes routine. We start to take things for granted. Oh, so it, someone got raised from the dead. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Oh, you saw a limb grow. Oh, that's really nice. There's this laser faire. It's, You know, seen that, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. We loo- it just it becomes mediocre. It becomes the new normal. God has to do bigger tricks, greater miracles. Stop the sun. Witnesses stay hungry and thirsty for God's goodness to become manifest in them and through them. Rick Warren says that without a purpose, life is emotion without meaning, activity without direction, and events without reason. Without a purpose, life is trivial, petty, and pointless. Witnesses are the ones that take the the commission that God has given to us, the invitation that God has given to us. That's the purpose for which we live. Witnesses are not more gifted or anointed or holy or pure than anyone else. Witnesses have made their purpose pursuing God's presence, demonstrated maybe in practical signs and wonders, in miracles, healing or prophetic encouragement, that communicate God's powerful and passionate, fiery love to the people that don't know him. Witnesses seek to demonstrate God's love the way that Jesus does, through a demonstration of power that proves that Jesus cares and loves us. That's why we had teams going out yesterday to, to, to help share the love of Jesus, simply by doing something practical that helped them to do something that they couldn't do for themselves. It's being a witness. Bill Johnson says we owe the world an encounter. If, we, if we've encountered God and we've become saved, we've become born again, we've encountered God, yeah? Is that right? We have? Is that, is that a fair statement? Yeah. Then we owe someone else that same encounter. Witnesses are possessed by an encounter of God's fiery, powerful presence that releases an encounter of God's powerful presence to others around us in supernatural ways that help them. Competency in doing that only comes through continual, persistent practice. It's strange, okay? If if you, you, you believe in healing, but if you never pray for anyone to get healed you'll never see anybody healed. Okay. It's strange how the more people that you pray to get healed, the more you see healing. The more you see God heal people. The more people that you raise from the dead, the more you're going to see people raised from the dead. See, witnesses aren't perfect, but they're willing to take a risk in starting fires in others. They're taking a risk is the primary way we step into our supernatural destiny as witnesses. Witnesses do not give up when they have setbacks or disappointments. They continue to learn and to grow in a supernatural lifestyle. Pastor Jack Hayford said this once. He said, we don't fail when we fall. We only fail when we fail to get back up. Witnesses, get up, they get back up, and we try again. That's what we do. See, what I want to share with us over the next few weeks is some thoughts in becoming fishers of men, of being a witness for Jesus and helping us to gain the confidence to cast a line into the water and to start fishing. You know what? I really enjoy fishing. But i got to tell you right now, I suck at it. <laughs> I, I just... Man, I don't know what it is. It's just... I'm gifted. I, I do fishing really well. I do catching really, really bad. That's why they call it fishing, all right. It's just, it's just a really. I just don't get it, okay. But there, I, I go out with people who do fishing. We we went to Port Vincent one time. I think it's Port Vincent, and we're we're fishing uh, on the the shore, and, and it was a time where people were catching lots of fish. And and there was this lady who was fishing next to us, and I, I had all the gear: beautiful fishing rod, fantastic line, great lures, lead weights were pristine and beautiful. And I'm flicking my rod out there, I'm casting fantastically, really well. This lady next to me was not, and she like she cast. And there's like, there would have been, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 people in, a, in this line just waiting, you know, like fishing here. And she would have, when she cast out, probably crossed eight of our lines. God bless her. I wasn't really close to Jesus at that time. <laughs> oh, oh I, you, you could see steam coming of the top of my collar. You know, e- my ears, it's like a pressure cooker. I was not a happy camper. And she catches the fish. How do we know? Because everyone praised God. But when we untangle all the lines, guess whose line the fish is on? I think that's God's idea of a joke. I want to help us to become fishes of men. I want to help us to see people saved, to become born again. Because I believe that this world needs Jesus and I believe that we're coming into a season where we're going to start to see people saved again in great numbers, in great numbers, where people's, you know, just revival sweeps across the land once more. Because this is the great southland of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he wants to touch and release his anointing in and through people. So there's a something I'm just going to share, maybe three things I think that um, we can do in the area of having a passion for souls, having a desire for a passion for souls. Some, something we can understand about what it is to have a desire, how we develop a desire to witness. And I believe that Desire happens in three ways. Number one, it's implanted. Number two, it's inspired. Number three, it's invited. Number one, desire is implanted. The desire to be a witness for Jesus comes from within. It comes from within after we've encountered God in our own lives. There's, there's something that, that stirs within us that when we've encountered God in some way, shape, or form, that you know, there's this desire, I want others to, to, to experience this same thing. I want others to, to meet this Jesus that, that I've, I've discovered or I've found. There's something happens on the inside, there's this inner thing that happens. It's, it's almost like it's been planted in us. There's several ways that God wants to implant a desire in us to be a witness. Number one is a compulsion. Okay, Jeremiah 20 verse 9 says, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones, he says. And I'm, tr- I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. You know, sometimes God does something so amazing in our lives. We, we just, you know, we want to keep it quiet maybe. We don't want to to t- People about, but but sometimes something rises up within you. Just can't stop yourself from talking about what God's doing in and through your life. Something on the inside just, like a fire, starts to consume. It starts to really take a hold of your inner world, and you can't not say anything. You've got to say something. I love that verse. I think it's a powerful verse. You see, Jeremiah, there was he had this compulsion to share with people the heart of God. And that's true of me. you know I've caught a glimpse, I've tasted of what God is doing. I've seen what He can do. I've experienced His goodness, His love, his grace and His forgiveness. I've heard stories about healings and miracles and signs and wonders, and I've got to tell someone about Jesus. I feel compelled because I've seen. I've been a witness, and I want to become a witness. For Jesus. There's this desire that's on the inside. I feel compelled to do that. God implants a desire in us to witness also through heart change. We have our hearts changed. Acts 4, verse 18 says So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John have just spent the last night in jail for healing a lame man. They're warned not to preach about this Jesus anymore. Remember that these are the same men that ran. From the Garden of Gethsemane. The same Peter who denied Jesus in the courtyard. But now something has changed. These lambs have become lions. These lambs have become lions. They've, they've had a heart change because they've witnessed something about Jesus. They, they've seen the risen Lord. They've seen him walking and talking and touching people after he's risen from the dead. Changed their hearts and they speak up about Jesus. Another way that God implants a desire in us to witness is through gratitude. And I said this a little bit before. You know, blind Bartimaeus, there was the countless lame, the blind, the deaf, the lepers. They were all healed by Jesus and and felt so grateful for what Jesus had, had done for them. They had to go out and tell people. Even though Jesus had commanded them, don't say anything. But the first thing they did was to go out and tell someone. Sometimes what God does in our hearts and our lives is so major, so, so, so impacting on, on the inside that we can't help ourselves. We've got to tell someone. Oh, Lord, let those days return to us. Let those times where we can't stop talking about what Jesus has done in and through us, let them once more grip us. With a conviction that we feel compelled, that we've got a heart change. And through gratitude, we share with the people around about us what Jesus has done. Gratitude. See, the Holy Spirit does something wonderful in and through us. And it touches us at the core of our being. And passion arises in us to the point that we've got to tell someone about it. Through a compelled heart, a changed heart, and a grateful heart, we're compelled by an inner need to witness about the one who set us free. Second way that our desire comes about us is is it's inspired. Our desire is inspired. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you're not like that, for you are a chosen people. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. There's something about, that's validating about being chosen. Something I think that, you know, whether you're, you're chosen to be a part of a sporting team or you're chosen as the successful applicant in a job application that you've submitted. There's something validating, there's something that's important, there's something marvellous and amazing that that comes about because we're chosen for a particular role or a a particular thing that that happens in the world. God has chosen with us to partner with to reach the rest of the world. We've been chosen. There's something marvellous about that. I mean, Jesus could simply get a a big plane and and write it in the sky. Uh, There's so many different ways that Jesus could do it on his own, but he hasn't chosen to do it on his own. He's chosen to partner together with you and me. We've been chosen for this. When we look at the early church, we should be inspired by their example because, with nothing, they didn't have an iPad or an iPhone, they didn't have a Samsung or a Galaxy, they didn't have a laptop, they didn't have a desktop, they didn't have the internet. They just had a fishing net. That was it. And they turned the world upside down. We have so much more than they do. Let's use it for the glory of God. Let's use it to to reach the people in and around about us with what Jesus has done. They were compelled by a desire to spread the gospel, the good news, to all of creation. In many parts of the world, to be a Christian means persecution, it means imprisonment, it means pain. Yet despite that, people still take the risk and witness for Jesus in those parts of the world. What's our excuse? What's our excuse? Much of the world understands all too well what Jesus meant when he said this. In Luke 14 verses 26 to 27, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. What does he mean by that? I think that sometimes we become clouded, confused in our allegiances. God certainly wants us to love our mothers, our fathers, our brothers, our sisters, our children. He's not saying that not to love them. What he is saying though is that the love that we have for those people needs to be seen as though we don't love them at all when we compare to the love that we have for the Father. When it compares to the love that we have for the Father. It's a matter of passion, proximity. Seeing him for who he is. The writer of Hebrews encourages us in, in Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. He says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily strips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has had, uh, got before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. In other words, there's an eternal perspective that we need to have and maintain. We we live and and are historically uh, in a place where we just live for the here and the now. It's all about the here and now. It's an instant gratification. And God is saying to us, There's an eternity at work here. And we need to actually start to to have an eternal focus in what we're doing and keeping our eyes on the things of eternity. It's time to speak up, church. It's time to speak up. It's time to speak up about Jesus. Thirdly, our desire is motivated by an invitation. Our desire is motivated by an invitation. We've been invited by God to join with him in his mission and his vision. In Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 to 20, the invitation is simply this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What does this mean for us? What does it mean for us? It means that by the power of the Holy Spirit that we, 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 that we are to get a line in the water and become fishers of men. He's inviting us to be a part of the world and work of God. Matthew 4 verses 18 to 19 says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, He saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them and he said, Come, follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. I don't know about you, but I've read that so many different times. What on earth were they thinking? All Jesus has done is come along and simply said to them, Come, follow me. And they did. And they did. Why would they do that? The reality is we'll never know that until we get to be with Jesus. But a part of me says, there has got to be something about Jesus that was so attractive to them that so touched them in their hearts, that so ministered to them, there was such a witness that they'd heard truth in those brief sentences that Jesus had spoken to those disciples that compelled them to start to become fishers of men. And they left everything that they had and they followed after Jesus. Why did they do that? I don't know. But a part of me says maybe, just maybe, just maybe. They heard something that connected them with their true purpose for living. They tried to find it in being fish as a fish. But then truth was spoken and they found their eternal purpose. And they wanted to pursue that with everything that they had. God is inviting us to an eternal purpose. God is inviting us to partner together with him to extend the kingdom of heaven. He's inviting us to be a part of that. See, Jesus, even after his resurrection, he calls his disciples to him and he lays his hands on them. And he says in John 20 verse 21, peace be with you as the father has sent me, so I'm sending you. He doesn't just say, go out and do it on your own. He says, go out because I'm going to go with you. At his ascension to heaven, at the time he's about to be taken up into heaven, Jesus, uh, he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We've been invited by God to be a part of his plan to outwork an eternal purpose in our world, in the here and the now. How motivated are we to share our faith with others? Do we really have a desire to be a part of God's plan to participate in the reaping of a harvest for the kingdom of God or do we just want to watch his plan being fulfilled through others? See, it's the difference between playing the game and watching the game. It's the difference between fishing from the boat or going on a cruise. They're both really good, but only one has an eternal purpose. My prayer is that God will give us the want to when it comes to witnessing. That we'll catch a glimpse of who he is. And the fire that he started in our spirits and that we want to fire that that flame up. We want to fan that flame like Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame the gift that you've given. Because there are eternal futures out there that, that require us and need us to be so captured by who Jesus is that we can't help but share who Jesus is with our world. I pray this morning that our hearts would be moved with gratitude, inspired by partnership and charged by passion for souls that comes from knowing who God is and what he's called us to do. And My challenge to us this morning is this. Will you join me in having a passion for souls and seeing people born again in the name of Jesus? Let's stand this morning. I'm going to ask us to pray a very simple prayer as a corporate body this morning. I'm going to ask us all to pray out loud in your own voice something that I'm going to ask us to pray together. This is what I'm going to ask us to pray. But I don't want you to pray this, okay, unless you're serious about doing it. And and this is a sincere prayer of your heart this morning, okay? So if, if this is what we're going to pray, I'm going to tell you what it is then you can make the decision, so that's cool. This is what I'm going to ask us to pray. Lord, would you increase my desire to be your witness in my world and to truly become a fisher of men in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's the sincere desire of your heart this morning, that there would come this desire to witness for Jesus, to truly talk about what Jesus has done, to be a witness of who he is in our world for that desire to rise and increase within us, then let's pray this prayer. If not, there's no guilt. That's fine. I understand that we're all at different places, and that's okay. My prayer would be that as you hear us praying this, that something would would trigger in your spirit and your heart this morning. Say, I want to to believe this. I want to, to... to to reach out and to believe for this in my world. You ready to pray this? Okay, let's pray. Lord, and you have to say this out loud if you're going to say this. Lord, would you increase my desire to be your witness in my world and to truly become a fisher of men. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray that those who prayed this prayer this morning, that that passion, that desire increases and grows. Father, I pray that it comes because we're pursuing you. I pray that it comes because we catch a glimpse of who you are and what you've done in our lives. And it it just transforms us so much that it gives us the actual courage and the boldness that we need to step out in faith and to share with the people in and around about us in a way that is so easy to to flow, that we see lives changed as a result. Father, we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.